0: And I'll toss in a fun fact here that we flipped five times this weekend. Three of them were to start the game and then one was for overtime and one was for color on Sunday and Tyler and I lost all five. (laughs) So we went zero for five on flips, but we won the tournament. So we're very excited about that.
1: Hello and welcome to the Raleigh Pearlman podcast. I'm your host, Luke Bede. And we're here to connect you with the players and personalities of North Carolina semi-professional Ultimate Frisbee. Today, I got the privilege of talking to Lila Stanland. Lila first started playing at UNC Wilmington in 2013, playing total of three years for her college career. She then played for a local club mixed team called Sir Walter Rowdy before ultimately joining our elite women's team Phoenix for five years total and then joined the Radiance in 2019 and was actually captain for this 2021 kind of miniature season. So, of course, the biggest news of all, and the reason we're interviewing Lila, is we get to celebrate the Raleigh Radiance winning the East Championship for the PUL Championship Series just a couple weekends ago. This interview took place just about a week after the Radiance won the whole dang thing. And uh, so I'm really excited to have Lila on to talk about um, just her kind of view of the weekend and the different storylines and what her experiences were like as a player through it all. So... Hope you enjoy she i thought was really insightful and was really upfront and it was really enjoyable um to get a chance to talk to her and so this in particular was so meaningful because it really was her first major championship having uh never really won a championship in any other area of frisbee so hope you enjoy this is lila stanland all right today on the raleigh pro ultimate podcast we're going to be talking to lila stanlin lila how's it going
0: it's going good
1: Yeah, we had quite the weekend. So today's interview in particular is to bring on Lila to talk about the PUL East Championship that the Radiance just won. So we're going to get all into that. But first, we should probably get to know you a little bit as a person. So um, before we dive into anything, Lila, who is Lila? What's your story?
0: Yeah, so I grew up in a really small coastal town in Connecticut. When I was young, I played a lot of sports because I have two brothers and we kind of did a lot of hiking and camping as a family and stuff like that. Um, I was definitely like the classic kid whose parent sends them to like every single sports camp that they could possibly find to figure out what would stick. Um, so when I was young, I, I played basketball basically for as long as I can really remember and played softball as well. Um, and in my freshman and sophomore year of high school, I played softball and ended up quitting and picking up outdoor track when I was a junior and senior. So I ran for a couple of years. Uh, I ran the 100 and the 200 and I did the long jump, which I really, really loved. And all the time was playing basketball and kind of started seeing a personal trainer at that time in high school and started lifting and training more specifically for basketball. And at a certain point, I was considering going to some D3 schools maybe to be able to play. And and that didn't end up happening. But um, I went to the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. For my undergrad, I had gone there originally because I was really interested in uh, majoring in marine biology and ended up just switching to general biology when I got there, but that's kind of what brought me down to North Carolina because, um, again, I'm from Connecticut, so I'm, I'm not born and raised North Carolina. The first semester that I was at UNCW, I played on the club basketball team, and it went well, and I liked it, but uh, there were some issues kind of going into the spring with people not coming back and coaches not coming back and funding problems and things like that. So the team sort of dissolved going into the spring and I really, really needed something to do (laughs) with all my competitive energy and, and not having that anymore. So I was kind of just walking through my dorm one day and there was an ultimate frisbee flyer hung up. So I figured why not just Give it a go. <laughs> so I I went out to the practice. Um, and it was I think January. And it's it's hard to know now how cold it actually was, but it was very cold. And the most vivid memory that I have of that practice was Claire Chastain throwing me a huck and me just like not catching it because my hands were frozen solid and it just hitting me directly in the face and splitting my lip open. (laughs) And that was my first ultimate practice of my entire life. (laughs) So that first year that I joined in the spring semester of my freshman year, when I started playing Frisbee was Claire Trastain's last year on seaweed. And that was also a year there was like 13 seniors and fifth year seniors at the time. So I definitely joined the team at a time when it was really competitive and really high skill, a lot of really talented women on that team. And I like to think that I would have stuck with it no matter what. But I think just having all those seniors who were so competitive and so good at that time really just pulled me in. Like it was so obviously competitive and it was exactly what I was looking for and what I wanted. Um, But I certainly had never thrown a Frisbee before. <laughs> um, so that was all very new and it took a long time to kind of build those skills. But all in all, I ended up playing for about three years cause I did study abroad for a semester. Um, so I played three years in total of college ultimate at UNCW. Uh, and then after I graduated, I moved here to the triangle um, cause I had gotten a job at Duke as a research technician. Um, in the lab where I am currently doing my PhD so I'm kind of here for the long haul now Um, and I knew a couple people who had been involved in founding Sir Walter Rowdy the year before so I played my first ever club season of frisbee on Rowdy in 2016
1: and that's a mixed team right
0: That's a mixed team, but I did play yeah, for one year with them and over the winter played uh, leagues in the triangle, you know, indoor and outdoor winter league and got heavily recruited to join Phoenix for the following summer. The year that I joined Phoenix in 2017 was the year after there was a huge amount of roster turnover. So they did some really heavy recruiting over the winter time because I think they had like nine returners that year. So that year that I joined in 2017, it was like a really big building year for the program. Um, But now I have been on Phoenix since then. Um, So it's been technically five years, but four seasons, unfortunately. And I then joined Radiance in 2019 and was rostered on the 2020 team before everything got shut down. And now this year, 2021, I co-captained Radiance with Tyler Smith.
1: That's a list. Okay, quick, a couple quick questions about everything. So first off in basketball, what position did you play?
0: I was a shooting guard primarily. I, when I was younger, I think I hit a growth spurt early in my life. So I was like tall when (laughs) I was younger. Um, So I used to play forward and then I quickly became not so tall. So I switched to shooting guard. Um, and I just like on the ultimate field, I'm I'm a huge fan of playing defense. So that was kind of something I would draw a lot of the tougher defensive matchups on the basketball court also.
1: Yeah. And I, your comment about I'm doing a doctoral program, so I'm going to be here for the long run. I totally understand because my wife (laughs) is in a doctoral program and we will be here for a long time too. So I totally get that. That's awesome, man. What a journey. And I. I love the little note you made of like, this was my first big thing that like you've won. You've, you know, like been at all, really on all these quality teams, but have yet to really get over the hump. So for, for this weekend to mean a lot to you, I think it's, it's gonna be really fun to dive into, so. Yeah. All right, so this past weekend, the Radiance went down to somewhere in New Jersey. And uh, we had, we played uh, the New York Gridlock and the DC Shadow. And uh, we started the day off not so hot, losing to the shadow 20 to 13 we'll talk about in a second we then had a tight overtime game with the gridlock that ultimately we won by one and then we went on to the championship game to have a kind of a revenge game instant dc sounds like we punched him in the mouth early and then we were able to kind of pull it out from there so first off congratulations on the win what a freaking weekend can you kind of highlight first off before we kind of go through it all what are one or two moments from the weekend that most stood out to you
0: So I don't know that this is a specific moment, but I do want to say I knew from practice how good Karen Earhart was. But then seeing her on the field and actually getting to see her against other opponents, I was like, holy cow, Karen. (laughs) I think she kind of took everybody by surprise. And I think, you know, our O-line specifically has so many people that are so threatening that maybe one person is going to end up with, you know, not the most ideal defender on them or something. And I think you can't really do that with our team. I think we showed this weekend, we have like a million cutters who can do everything. And I, Karen just blew everybody's socks off. She had such a great weekend And I would say one super memorable play was Don's layout D that she caught.
1: Which game was that in?
0: I think that was in the finals. I'm trying to remember. It was definitely in the second half, but yeah, I mean, getting a layout D is one thing. And then to catch it is like a whole other thing. It was, it was amazing.
1: I'm trying to remember who I was talking to. I think Cause I asked who's, if you could wave a magic wand on one player, who could, who would you wish to have a great performance? And it, I think it was Jesse was just like, it's Dawn and I don't need to wave a wand. She's gonna blow everybody away.
0: Yeah, so. she's gonna do it anyway. She doesn't need a wand.
1: <laughs> so on that note, actually this kind of lends naturally. If you had to pick three all-stars from the team to send to an all-star weekend, who would you pick from the team to do so?
0: I think I would pick Sue for sure. Sue is so consistent, both on offense and on defense. She played on the O-line, but she got so many Ds for the O-line when we turned it. You know, she's she's incredible. Um, I think my next choice would be Bridget Meisner. She has really, really come into her own as a player that I think people should really pay attention to. She's also someone who's incredible on both sides of the disc and is really confident and makes incredible plays and and is also just incredibly consistent let's see a third player this is tough I feel like I have to pick a d-line player because because I'm on the d-line you know you have to have to give some credit we'll go with Dawn I'll say Dawn as well because she is going to get layout d's she's going to cut really hard and she's going to put her body on the line and she's not ever gonna give up she's so tough and she's so tenacious
1: that's awesome all right let's go through the weekend though so obviously like i said at the top we we start the weekend not so hot it was tough i was watching the live stream on my phone at the time it was kind of like oh no like just <laughs> trying to follow so talk to me about like what was the atmosphere uh at the beginning of the game and then a little bit kind of like how did that shift as the game went on
0: yeah i mean we knew what had happened between Shadow and Gridlock in the first game, and we were all very surprised. You know, we knew that Shadow had a lot of players that were really talented, but I think we didn't expect them to have the amount of chemistry that they did. And we we kind of were surprised to see how handily they had beat Gridlock. And I think going into that game the vibe was a little weird. We kind of weren't really sure what was going to happen. You know, we've been practicing since May, but we've only been practicing against each other. So we were like, okay, we're either really, really good, or we're really bad. And we're only playing each other. So we only think that we're good because we haven't played anybody. (laughs) So we really had no idea what to expect going into that first game. And yeah, very quickly, we, we went down and I think we never really throughout the game seemed to recover from that just right off the bat, going down really quickly. I think both the kind of execution errors and the couple mistakes that the offense was making, but also I think the defense was not putting on the defensive pressure that we were used to putting on at practices and that we knew that we could put on them. So I don't think that anybody was happy with the performance and I think at a certain point, kind of close to halftime, we got it within maybe one point because we had gotten a break and we pulled it within one and it felt kind of like the momentum was shifting a little bit and we felt really good because we had finally gotten a break back. And then we came out of half and they scored, I think their offense held and then our offense got broken again and any momentum that we had was basically gone. I hate to say it but I it did not feel at any point like we were in that game. Like it didn't feel like the radiance that we all knew that we could be. So that was definitely frustrating and at the end of the game we definitely had to, you know, everyone had to take their individual time to regroup and try to think, okay, you know, we have to go play another game now and we have to pick ourselves up and this is it, you know, we have one more game and if we don't win our season is over and so i think getting that game out of the way and sort of just moving on from it was was very important
1: was there any particular player on the shadow that like stood out or really dominated or did you just feel like the team overall just kind of smothered y'all
0: i think in that game the team kind of smothered us um I know there were a couple players who in the Sunday game, I felt like had really great games. Like um, I think Claire Trope played really well and Erica Bacon played really well on Sunday, but I think on Saturday, we just, we just kind of crumbled under the pressure maybe. And, and yeah, I think we just didn't play anywhere close to our full potential.
1: So yeah, you had to kind of regroup. It sounds like you guys kind of took a moment and everybody kind of took a moment to themselves. Was there A moment right before or even early in the gridlock game where D.A., our coach or a player, did anyone kind of rally or was it just something that naturally happened with the team as the game went on?
0: I do think that I'm sure D.A. said something. (laughs) Um, I'm having a hard time remembering exactly. I'm sure he rallied us. And you can, you can be very
1: honest here. This isn't going to affect your playtime anymore. Right. Like other podcasts (laughs) I've had to like, they were like, wait, if I say this, does it affect my playtime? And I was like, yeah, probably.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, no, I think throughout the course of the weekend, DA definitely was very good about that. You know, I think he, he did give us a lot of very motivational you know, speeches and moments and things. And so I'm sure that he did say something very motivational and I'm just not remember exactly what it was, but, you know, I think also as a team, we really knew that this was it. And at a certain point, the team as a group was just like, okay, we're not done yet. We don't want to be done yet. So we need to win this game and we're going to do whatever it takes to win this game. Because if we don't, we don't get to play another game.
1: now they started off and came out hot early as well and i'm sure in your all of your brains you are going like oh no not again but then once we rallied of course they push it back no pun intended um once we pushed it back and came back and then uh we hit overtime so can you talk a little bit about just like the end of the game and then going into the overtime period like what what was the emotions like how was everybody feeling what were the big plays just talk us through the end of that crazy game
0: yeah i mean like you said we went down early and there was definitely A lot of points in the game that we were like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my gosh, It's here Here we go again. But, you know, I'm sure, you know, if you could tell from the stream, it was super, super windy and the entire game, DA said over and over again, this is a game of who gets a breakup wind and that's what's going to matter. And so we kept pushing and we kept pushing and we were on offense going downwind and it was 10 to nine and there was 40 seconds left and the O-line just did what they're supposed to do. And they punched it in the end zone. And in that moment, it was like, oh my gosh, we pulled it back. We did it. We're going to overtime. We saved this. The offense saved us with very little time left on the clock. So that was awesome to see that in the moment that it really mattered, we did what we had to do and and punched in the goal and left them with, you know, not enough time left in the quarter to, do anything with it. I think there was about seven seconds left and we called our tallest line, which I have to say is not very tall. We're a very short team (laughs) because at the end of the fourth quarter, you know, it's a buzzer beater as opposed to, you know, in the other quarters where it's possession based. So we were like, okay, they're going to just try to huck it to the end zone and try to get something in to win and, and not have to go to overtime. So yeah, so we called our tallest line, which is really pretty sad <laughs> um and da basically just said okay karen sue bridget you know zeus whoever it was you three tell people just stand in the end zone and lila and don go and stand underneath somewhere and try to like gum up a pole play if they're gonna do anything and then as soon as they make the first pass you two just also run to the end zone So it was just, we're going to send everybody into the end zone because they're going to throw it. And we know that's going to happen. And I was pulling upwind and I was like, oh my God, all I have to do is try to get this as far as I possibly can in the wind and pulling upwind the entire game. I think I was getting it like 10 yards past half field. So I was like, okay, that should be fine. Right. I'll just throw it as far as I possibly can. And they just hucked it to the end zone and Uh, I believe Zeus got a D and forced the overtime, which was really exciting. You know, we beat them in overtime in 2019 in the semis at the championships. So it was really fun to take that game to overtime again. You know, I think like a lot of times in sports, there's certain teams that just, have these really tight games for whatever reason. And like maybe gridlock is just going to be our team <laughs> that we, we always have these really tight games with them, which is totally fine because it's a lot of fun to play gridlock. So we forced overtime, which was really exciting. And because the wind was so strong, we talked about what we wanted to do regarding the flip. And I'll toss in a fun fact here that we flipped five times this weekend three of them were to start the game. And then one was for overtime and one was for color on Sunday and Tyler and I lost all five. (laughs) So we went zero for five on flips, but we won the tournament. So we're very excited about that. So we lost the overtime flip And they selected wind side. So they wanted to be on the upwind side going downwind. So we were like, okay, well, we're going to start on offense, obviously. So we put out kind of a kill line for our offense and we got really lucky and the wind died for like a minute (laughs) and we scored upwind as a a single possession O point, I think, which made it 11 to 10 in overtime. And we had the disc pulling downwind, which was so ideal. So we put on our zone line and set up our zone and we played zone defense for like three minutes. Um, and it worked super well and they didn't end up scoring, uh, and, and we played really good defense for about three minutes and we won the game having only scored one point in overtime, but one point ended up enough. Yeah. my God.
1: (laughs) It's funny. The symmetry too, is of course the weekend before this, the flyers went into double overtime with the New York empire for the second time, you know, second season in a row. So I just feel like New York and Raleigh now has this like thing.
0: Yep, is this is it.
1: <laughs> Which I'm totally on board with because, oh my gosh, it makes for exciting. But also I'm glad, well, at least you guys won both games versus the Flyers who have lost both games. So <laughs> we'll move on from that, though. Yeah. Dang you, Jack. Let's see. So, yeah, so we win over time, come back and save the season. And now we're playing the championship game and you have to play D.C. again. I can kind of imagine what the the conversations are like. And after getting punched in the mouth and being down the first two games, we come out and are up suddenly, I think, 4-1. And suddenly now we're the ones doing the punching. So what changed between, like, what did y'all eat overnight or for have for <laughs> breakfast? Uh, what changed between those first two games? Was there adjustments that were made? Just kind of what generally do you feel like went so much better the next day?
0: Yeah, I think it was very clear to us on Saturday night that we did not play the ultimate that we were capable of playing on Saturday. And everybody knew that. And we felt very confident going into Sunday that we could beat them. And I think there wasn't anyone on the team who didn't think that we could beat them. And after having played them and knowing the mistakes that we made and knowing how we played that game, we knew we could win. And I think there was just a lot of confidence from the team in general that there was no reason that we shouldn't be able to, to beat them. And I think, you know, we honestly didn't make that many strategic adjustments going into the game. We did shift a couple of our defensive matchups. So we did have a couple of people that switched around and, and guarded different people, but honestly, we really didn't make a lot of strategic changes and we just kind of got out there and we're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to play the game that we know how to play, you know, and right off the bat on the first point, our own line held with like, four throws and that's exactly what we know our O-line has the ability to do you know and then our D-line went out there and got two breaks and that's the type of pressure that we know our D-line is capable of putting on other teams like we've been practicing this incredibly high pressure matchup defense and this zone defense since May and we knew that if we just played the way that we knew how to play we were going to win the game
1: what was the end of the game? Like, was there a moment where your brain finally went? Like, I think we're going to win this game. Or was it like, no, 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 we can't until the clock was out. Like what, what was the end of the game environment for you as a player? Like,
0: so this is kind of funny because I got home and Jake hadn't been able to watch it live because he was in Colorado and didn't have service. And he asked me about how the game went. And I told him, Jake is your oh, boyfriend. We should. Yes. About okay. <laughs> Yeah. And I told him, oh, we went up three zero and then they tied it three to three. And then, you know, we were just, we were ahead of them for the rest of the game. Basically, like we were up like one or two points the whole time. And like, that's not what happened. (laughs) Like I went back and I watched the game again and like we were tied at halftime. And I think at one point they were even ahead of us, but my mindset throughout the whole game was just like, oh, we're winning. And I don't know if I just like was totally unaware of the score and I wasn't paying attention or what it was, but I think the way that I personally felt throughout the entirety of the game was that we were in control and that even though the score was tied, it felt to me like we were up and we were in control and we were going to win. And then in the second half, we did kind of start to build a little bit more of a lead where we were up by like one to three points at any given time. And at that point, I certainly was like, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to win now. But I think to me, even the first half, it didn't ever feel like we weren't going to win the game.
1: Is it weird that as a fan watching the live stream, I felt the same way. (laughs) That's how I felt the way too. So it's interesting as a player being there live. I just, after the way we opened and just the consistency and the poise that was there, it just felt anyway. Yeah. That's so awesome. What did you do? Who did you go to first when the buzzer rang?
0: Um... Oh, gosh. I think it was whoever was standing behind me and it may have been Audrey. And then I kind of went to the the group that had formed on the field because the O-line had been on the field and they had kind of clustered. But, I, yeah, I don't remember.
1: <laughs> I, and I know it's interesting because obviously this season is so different. It really was just a tournament. But at the same time, we've had no meaningful ultimate, especially right now for women's ultimate until now played in over almost a year and a half. So what did this championship mean to you as a player, but then also as like a captain for the franchise, what did it mean to you?
0: Yeah, it's been a long road since we've been able to play, you know, and, and like I mentioned, we didn't even know if we were actually going to be good because we had only ever played against each other. And so just, getting to go and actually play against other people and feel that level of competition again was so huge. You know, we haven't had anything happen in a really long time and we've been practicing since May. Like we we've really been putting in a lot of work and, you know, even for Phoenix, which is the club team that I'm playing on, you know, we haven't had a tournament and with all this practice time and not any actual games or competition, You know, I think everybody was feeling a little burnt out. You know, we're all feeling tired and we're like, oh my God, we're just training and training and training. And all we want to do is actually play someone else. So it feels really, really good to be able to get out there and play other people (laughs) and not just play against our O line. So that was really great. And I think winning the championship in particular is it's it's incredible. It's really validating. And I think it's not clear to me what a lot of other people expected to happen this weekend, but I know that people were looking at us without Anne and without Jesse and without Jayway and without Lira and without Mary, <laughs> and being like, Oh, Raleigh has nobody left. But I think we proved the depth that we have as a team and you know the amount of younger players who made huge contributions this weekend really speaks to the ultimate in this area and and North Carolina ultimate in general, and how our youth programs are capable of building these really incredible athletes here. And really speaks to the future of of women's ultimate in the triangle. And it was really exciting to have a team that's, you know, missing some of our so-called superstars, but there's so many people on this team that our, our superstars also, and our incredible, incredible ultimate players. And we proved that this weekend that we can't be minimized to just the team that has Ann Worth or Jesse Jones or Jenny Way on it. You know, we're a whole team of, of really amazing players.
1: One other a question I have before we move to some more just general stuff. I, I thought about this a lot. And obviously the narrative on this weekend was so interesting with, you know, no one team just kind of blew everyone out. I think a lot of people thought the gridlock were going to walk in and kind of walk over. And I think, you know, that was generally considered. And then of course they didn't, they went winless. And then DC was the one who, you know, after Saturday looked like they were just going to walk over everyone. And so my question is which game was harder? The gridlock game that we went into overtime or the second shadow game?
0: I think for me personally, I'll say I think the gridlock game was harder. I think coming off of the shadow game and having to kind of dust yourself off and and realize that you're in a game to go, that takes a lot of mental toughness. And I'm really proud of the team for for the mental toughness that we showed in winning that game and doing that. I think the gridlock game was harder because it was windy and it was hotter and it was late in the day and we were tired and you know we had just played one game where it didn't go so well and i also think that the the gridlock team is just full of incredible players really incredible athletes and they're tough you know they take us to overtime for a reason they're a really tough team and they're really good and i yeah i think for me personally that the gridlock game was harder
1: cool so let's talk a little bit more PUL uh, real quick so first question with that so let's say the team's peaking kind of like we are after the weekend we had who would you most want to play going in after going into a next game
0: I have to say revolution we had a couple really tight games with them in 2019 and they just won the international division of the PUL tournament I would love 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 to play them again they're style of play is a lot different than a lot of other U.S. teams. You know, they're really dynamic and honestly a bit chaotic. I think a lot of U.S. teams are really systems focused and I'm sure Revolution has a system. I don't know what it is, (laughs) but I'm sure that they do. But, you know, at times it can seem really chaotic and that honestly makes the games like really fun because you honestly have no idea what they're going to do. You don't know where Valeria Cardenas is going to throw a hook because she sees the field in such a different way. So I would really love to be able to have the opportunity with this 2021 radiance team to be able to take on revolution again.
1: We're coming for them next year. We all know it's 2023 and Lila gets to pick where a new PUL franchise will be where would you put a PUL franchise?
0: I would love to see one in Boston. I know a lot of the Boston women are playing for Portland. And I think there were some even on DC and on New York, but there are so, so many talented players in the Boston area between, you know, Brute Squad and Siege now and all the mixed teams in the area that I'm sure a lot of those players don't even consider playing for PUL teams because of the travel that's involved as PUL players, we do get paid and our travel is paid for, which is amazing and, and is huge for the league in general, but it's still a, lot, a huge time commitment to travel to DC or Portland or New York, to be able to even practice with the team. So I would love to see a franchise in Boston where they can actually pull more specifically from that talent pool and build a Boston team that is just a mix of all of the women's and mixed players in the area.
1: I'm in. Let's find a sponsor. (laughs) On the ratings this year, who was the best motivational speaker?
0: So I did mention, you know, DA has given us some, some very good pep talks over our season. But I think one person who has always something really interesting to say and something that is really going to pump us up is Ginny. And she has such a wide range of ways to motivate people. You know, she can be really goofy. She can be really intense. And she's sort of someone that has the ability to basically set the vibe for the whole D-line and we all just will follow her blindly in like, whether it's a really goofy or a really intense vibe, whatever it is, we all really listen to her and, and value what she has to say. And she definitely has given some very good kind of motivational speeches over, over the season.
1: What is Jenny's last name?
0: Riedel. Jenny Riedel.
1: Got it. I was like, Cool. We're running out of time. Let's do some quick overview questions for ultimate. So do you have a favorite specific moment you've had with an ultimate outside of the PUL or maybe at least outside of the season?
0: Yeah. So my birthday is on September 23rd and it typically falls around when a club regionals is, and, you know, I have never qualified for college nationals. And actually the first season I was on Phoenix, we didn't even qualify for club nationals that year. And in 2018, the first time in my ultimate life that I ever qualified to go to nationals for anything that year, it happened to be that my birthday fell on Sunday. So on Sunday, we qualified and that was my official birthday. So it was a very nice birthday present to have qualified for nationals, you know, for the first time in my life.
1: How old did you turn?
0: Oh, I should really know this. It might've been 24.
1: Do you have a favorite Frisbee game or team that, you've, that you just enjoy watching, especially maybe so for people who've never watched Frisbee before, or just maybe the diehard fans who have never heard about a team? What's your favorite team or game to watch?
0: Well, I know everyone will have heard of this team, but I really love watching Brute Squad. They're so gritty and they're so tough on defense. And it's so much fun to, to watch You know, all the players on their defensive line and just watch how they play defense and how tenacious they are. And I think they're also a fairly systems oriented team, which the teams that I've played on here in North Carolina are also very systems oriented and the way that brute squad plays offense and, and just honestly plays in general, it's so crisp and it's so clean and it very rarely looks like they're having a hard time. (laughs) Um, They're just really a lot of fun to watch and they have some truly incredible athletes on their team and and they're a lot of fun.
1: All right, let's move into our last big section, which is our give and go. So we're gonna do some quick short answers, quick things. If you have one you really like, we can go into more detail. Lila, are you ready for some give and go? Yes. All right, I'm gonna word this very carefully. So our first question, would you rather get the bidding under D to get the turn or the huge sky upwind for the score on universe in a championship game?
0: Oh God, I was going to say the bidding under D because that's like my bread and butter. But now if it's universe point, I'll take the score.
1: <laughs> I, everyone picks the bidding under D. So I have to like add every incentive to try and get yeah. <laughs> pick the under D. So I'm glad I could at least get you there when I add it on universe in a championship. Game yeah. Also. Okay. <laughs> but anything less, you take the bidding under D. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: Fair enough. What is your definition of a great teammate?
0: I think it's it's something that I I really like is having a teammate who can take the time to individually learn about their teammates and learn how to support them in specific situations. It's really nice to have people like that on your team.
1: Flick or backhand? Backhand. Interesting. Scuba (laughs) or hammer?
0: Definitely scuba.
1: Do you have a favorite fan reaction at a game?
0: Honestly, just hearing how, loud they scream is really awesome because that's not something that you get in club and I remember I think the biggest fan base that we have had for a game so far was actually when we went to Columbus in 2019 and they had a lot of fans and Columbus would make a really big play and the fans would scream but even though we weren't making the big play I was still like oh my god this is so exciting (laughs) it's like they were really loud which was awesome.
1: Well, we look forward to providing that for you in a home game. Yeah. <laughs> I was so bummed out when we didn't get one this year. What is your favorite TV show?
0: The Office.
1: Best character on The Office.
0: Oh, I I hate to say it, but I do really like Michael. I mean, without Michael, the show is just not, it's not good. You know, you got to have Michael.
1: You got to have Michael. That's why yeah. later on they struggled. What is the most number of eggs you've eaten in
0: one sitting? So I don't know. I'm I'm not like a huge egg person. But I will say instead of eggs, I did the Krispy Kreme challenge a couple of years ago. So I did run two and a half miles and then eat 12 donuts and then run two and a half more miles. Did you barf? No.
1: Oh my Lord. I
0: did not barf, but I did not. If to be like competitive, you have to finish it within an hour. And I think I missed it by like two or three minutes. So I technically didn't finish within the hour, but I ate. All the donuts and i did not barf
1: yeah not barfing was the victory there well done yeah (laughs) all right good to know donuts for lila okay what is your favorite cereal
0: honey bunches of oats
1: excellent choice well done (laughs) who inspires you
0: certainly have tons of people that inspire me but within ultimate i will say one would be raha mozafari she's so so gritty and such a good defender and I've had the opportunity to match up against her a couple times and and that's a lot of fun and then I'll say kind of on the other side of the coin I think Tulsa Douglas is I really admire her composure on the field and she's so poised and calm and and doesn't ever look like she's stressed and I feel like I always look like I'm stressed (laughs) so I really admire her for for her composure
1: what is your favorite holiday
0: I would say Christmas
1: pancakes or waffles,
0: waffles. And if you're looking for a good waffle recipe, the best one is definitely the one that's in the joy of cooking.
1: What is your favorite offense to run?
0: I love a good vert stack because That's what I did in college. And I feel like that's where I feel the most comfortable in like a vert or a side stack.
1: What is your favorite defense to run?
0: Definitely zone. I really love zone defense and that might be because I grew up playing basketball, so I'm pretty familiar with it, but I, I love zone defense.
1: Where in the zone do you like to be?
0: I like to be on the wing. I feel like I have the right amount of speed to be able to challenge kind of the hammers and, and those types of throws. So I really like being in that position because I feel like I can bait those big cross field throws and, and get blocks on them.
1: I'm just saying zones are, are broken, made her, made her broke off of good wings, even though a lot of people just stick their worst players there.
0: Yeah, they definitely are.
1: What is the most satisfying win you've had with an ultimate? Um,
0: In 2019, Phoenix played ozone at regionals for the game to go to nationals. And it was the first time I think in years that Phoenix had beat Ozone. So we won regionals and and finally beat Ozone.
1: <laughs> what is the best post-game or post-tournament meal?
0: Definitely Mexican food.
1: Solid choice. Yeah. Uh, you're dropping Ultimate. What do you spend your time doing?
0: I rock climb and I love hiking and camping. And uh, during quarantine, we started playing a lot of beach volleyball. So...
1: That's awesome. That sounds fantastic. Charmander, Squirtle, or Bulbasaur?
0: Charmander. I like the fire.
1: Uh, Go to spike on a big score.
0: I do the elbow spike. It's low key, but I like it.
1: (laughs) That's a first. I like that. That's a good one. (laughs) Definitely better than Matt Hannes' butt spike for sure. All right. Almost done. Uh, What is the best pregame tune to get you in the right headspace?
0: So I would say Motivation by Normani. Phoenix started doing what we call ZPP, which is Zumba point performance. So J-Way knows all of the Zumba dances to all the songs because she's so often. So in between games, we would do Zumba and Motivation is a big hit and we actually did the ZPP routine to motivation in between the shadow and the gridlock game. So I think that it helped.
1: Okay, that's that's a <laughs> That's a nice tidbit. I'm shocked we didn't get there before now. That's sweet. All right, last question. This is a fun one. If David Allison's coaching style were to be converted as to a player on the team, which player on the Radiance would be closest to David Allison's coaching style?
0: Oh, I'm going to... I'm going to throw myself under the bus and say that it's probably me.
1: Why is that?
0: (laughs) I think, you know, he's very strategic and he's very like systems oriented and very much just like, let's put people in positions where they can succeed and let's have everything planned out and let's make sure that there's no room for error and that. We know everything about everything. And that's like very much what I'm like. And I think that made it so that being a captain with him as the coach was, was honestly really enjoyable for me because I do feel like we're very similar in that way. So I'll, I'll put myself in that position.
1: <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. Before we wrap up, I want to make sure you have a time to give a shout out. It could be frisbee or non frisbee related. Uh, so who Lila Stanley, do you have for your shout out on the Raleigh pro ultimate podcast?
0: Well, I'll shout out my parents. I was not expecting them to actually watch all the games live and they figured out how to hook up the HDMI cord to the TV and they watched all the games and they texted me about it and everything. So that was really nice. And then I'll also shout out Jake's parents because they watch my dog Summer all the time and they had her this weekend and they also all the games too. So both the parents get shout outs.
1: That's awesome. Well, congratulations again, Lila, for an incredible weekend. Everybody, make sure you will re-watch the games on the PUL's YouTube channel. So lots of exciting things happening in the pro ultimate scene. So please go check all our stuff. Um, thanks again, Lila. And we'll hopefully see you get on the field sooner than we hope. Yeah, thanks. One more thanks again to Lila Stalen for coming on to the pod. As always, our sound editor is Mr. Jonathan Liu. Music by Kai Mosko. And I'm your host, Luke Mead. We'll see you next time. Raleigh Pultman Podcast.